Ho, 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 and welcome to the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Ho, ho, ho. I'm Santa Claus, and I'm pleased to introduce Dirk Facer, Brad Rock, the Rock Monster, and Mike Sorensen. I've checked my list, I've checked it twice, and I think these guys are pretty nice. Keep on listening. Thank you, and happy holidays. On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, Mark Harlan joins us. The athletic director answers a bunch of questions about football and basketball. We also had a chance to catch up with Kyle Brennan and his son's max recovery from leukemia for a Utah by Five segment. We talk about the Holiday Bowl. We talk about basketball and more. Stay tuned for the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Here we are again, folks. Welcome to the podcast. Dirk Facer along with Mike Sorensen and Brad Rock. Guys, how are you? Good. Doing great. Ready to talk some Utes? Let's do. All right. Let's jump into the early signing period, which has become kind of the signing period. Seems to be more prominent now than the signings in February. Brad, uh, you mentioned an interesting guy you saw on the list. Yeah, the one that stuck out to me. I mean, Utah did what they always do. They signed some some nice potential. They signed three-star guys, and they always say, I get a three-star guy, and then we're going to try to turn him into a four-star right. or five-star. But they did get one four-star. You got one year left. Manny Bowen, uh, Penn State transfer. And uh, and he came in as a linebacker. So, you know, uh, I can't remember. Was Johnny Paul, he, he was there two years or was he just one? I can't yeah, remember. He, but, he'd come from Miami. But, but a that, years yeah, that years. worked out nicely. So I think they're hoping something like, like that's going to work. And uh, that was the uh, sum total of their, their four- and five-star recruits. But it, it's a nice guy to have for one year. Well, it's interesting, you know, when Utah's losing a couple of good linebackers, they're restocking the shelves. They got, you know, Francis Bernard, obviously, to step in, and they, they're going to reload, maybe like they have on the defensive line. Which is interesting for so many years, that was their weak point. I, I just I just remember saying, man, they need to get some linebackers, but they've done a very nice job there. Well, Mike, it looks like they signed an Australian punter again. They sure like those guys down under. They've had quite a quite a good streak with Tom Hackett and Mitch Wisnowski. Yeah, certainly have. I mean, these Australians have been great. They've gotten two uh, Ray Guy Award winners, so who knows if this one will be. But uh, they've had good luck in the past, so let's hope they are. So don't know much about him. He's older. So I guess that helps. That always helps. You know, I think I get better with age. He, well, he, paid, he played Aussie Rules football, and, and so he wore those short shorts and the high socks. So, you know, that look is probably... We're going to have to go, but no John uh, Stockton. Luck, yeah, yeah, no John Stockton shorts, but uh, but I, I think they know how to kick the ball and they can kick it on a run, so that's that's a plus. Well, guys, how big do you think the loss of Jaden Daniels, uh, the quarterback that Utah was heavily recruiting, ended up at Arizona State? How big of a loss do you think that is? So you know, the thing is about quarterbacks, you can't have. I mean, you say you can't have enough, but quarterbacks get stacked up these days and they and they transfer all over the country. I mean, this Jack Tuttle that was no different than happens everywhere. These guys go to Clemson or Georgia. They get behind someone good, and then they take off because they're not getting playing time. So sometimes you almost have to have a space. And I think the fact they have two guys coming back next year, that if they have maybe a space,
space with no quarterback, and they can really go after a good one for next year, then this guy will come in and he'll have, you know, by then Huntley will be gone. And, and you know, so he'll have some time maybe to sit out one year and right. then can play Shall when he's a he sophomore. Otherwise, instead of having them stacked up one after another, and these guys get impatient and they want to leave all the time. So I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. I think, you know, you got to have a couple of guys backing up just in case. Uh, and so, you know, you don't want to have just two quarterbacks. But if we have these two back next year, they'll be in pretty good shape. And then just kind of find someone the next year to, to go for the future. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, Mike, because I think, you know, one time a coach had told me, it was way back when Utah recruited Jordan Wynn and then started playing him as a freshman, said that wiped out a couple of potential quarterback recruiting classes because quarterbacks were saying, whoa, that dude's a freshman. I may not get to play for three years or whatever. So I agree with you. I think stacking him up doesn't work. And uh, Brad, how do you think Jack Tuttle in Indiana, of all places? Did you yeah. see that coming? I know his parents have roots there and such, but uh, <laughs> I had heard he was going to maybe go to San Diego State or stay out west, but uh, he's going to have a nice, fun, cold winter next year. Isn't he, he will, and uh, and the competition in that conference will be, uh, be eye-opening for him, I think. But, yeah, you know, nearly all the time, uh, you always uh, hear these great four- and five-star players. They're going to transfer, and people get seized up and worried about it, and then you're going, but they go to worse programs they all they all right. often go to worse programs and you don't hear a lot about them so uh when they leave a program like utah you, you do have to look i'm not saying jack tuttle was this guy but maybe there are other things maybe weren't as good as they thought they were maybe they didn't like the coordinator whatever it was uh, it's usually not the world ending thing that it that it seems when they first walk out let's just hope he does better than jake heaps did at kansas you know <laughs> and Sometimes these guys these they go away and you never hear from them again so we'll know we'll find out if, if he gets a chance to play at Indiana. That's a good point. Well, you know, how much work do you think the youths need to do recruiting-wise? Obviously, every year there's senior class. This is a very small senior class for Utah, and obviously, you know, one of the things was losing the two starting linebackers, but, you know, there's a potential a couple guys on the defensive line might uh, enter the NFL draft early, and the offensive line, obviously, a couple first-team all-pack 12 guys are seniors. It looked like Utah needed to restock their line a little bit on both sides, and uh, obviously with bringing uh, Bowen in from Penn State, to help with the linebacker situation. Um, the way the Utes have gone over the years, they just reload that defensive line. They find guys, and uh, I'm starting to think that might be the case with the offensive line as well. Do you, do you see that, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, just trust that they get, you know, they've, they're good at recruiting. They've done it for years, and, you know, I have a hard time. You know, I know everybody gets excited about it, but as far as I'm concerned, recruiting, you know, ask me about it in 2022. You know, as far as half these guys that they signed this year, you'll never hear from them. You know, four years from now, you'll go, who is that guy? Exactly. And then maybe another half. We'll be, we'll, you know, we'll end up starting, and you'll say, "Oh, these are guys are great." So you got to take it with a grain of salt. You know, what, how good are these guys? But they've done well in the past, and I think that they've got a good thing going. So we'll find out. You know, mostly guys won't play for a couple years anyway. We'll find out in the future. Do you guys think the coaching departures, Brad? Do you think that'll hurt recruiting, or do you think guys are pretty pretty much in line? They want to go to the program rather than the assistant coach. Yeah, I mean, they always say a coach recruited me. I loved him and the loyalty. Now, I, I, I think it's mostly about the program, about where friends go references uh, visibility and most high school kids when you're 18 you think hey I can I can play anywhere I'm me 
you know. I, right. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's a, it's a huge issue. And if that was an issue, the name is is WIT. You know, that's the name you're coming for, right. not not one of the coordinators. Okay, let's jump ahead to the Holiday Bowl, guys. Uh, Utah versus Northwestern on New Year's Eve in San Diego. Tyler Huntley's status has been up and down. Uh, you know, he's been cleared to participate in practice in a limited way at this point, and they're waiting for full clearance, and they're hoping that comes Friday, but uh, in talking to Coach Witt earlier this week, sounded like it was iffy still. Brad, do you think they should play Tyler Huntley, even if he is healthy, or should they convince him to uh, hang him up till spring ball? <laughs> you know, I would go with Tyler Huntley, and, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Uh, Jason Shelley did some really nice stuff to me, but I, I think that Tyler Huntley, uh, if he came off the bench, wouldn't be as effective. Jason is ready all the time. I would, I would love to have him, if I were a coach, saying, you just put him in if he needs to, if Huntley's not getting it done. Uh, but I would go, you know, the other thing about Shelley is in the last eight quarters, you know, he, 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 didn't, he didn't score a touchdown in, la- in six of the last eight quarters. That's a little bit worrisome for, uh, for the Utes. So, yeah, I would, I would go with Huntley uh, if he's ready to go. And then Jason Shelley uh, is very good at, at stepping right in and being, hitting the ground running. Yeah, I agree. What? I agree with him, too. I think definitely if Huntley's available, why not play him, you know? I mean, he's going to be our quarterback next year. And, I mean, people, you don't want to save him from an injury. I mean, that's always a case with anybody. But why not play him? And I think maybe you should play, just let them both play, you know? I mean, don't say, okay, we're going to play one guy the whole game and maybe let, you know, trade off a little bit. It's a bowl game, you know, do something different. Does that go against Coach Witt's uh, bowl approach that, hey, we're not screwing around, we're here to win? And then, Mike, I just had, what if Tyler Huntley's cleared to play, but he's 90%, 80%, 75%? Do you risk further injury? I mean, is that worth the gamble? You know, they that, really need him maybe to be? in that, you know, depending on the percentage, maybe you start Shelley and then, you know, have him available, and if Shelley, you know, flames out then you bring him in you know and then maybe you can say we can you know if Shelly's doing great then you don't have to bring him in if he's only 75 percent but you know if he's if he can play I mean let him give him a give it a go the Utes didn't score an offensive touchdown against Washington in the Pac-12 championship game Brad is that a concern too is that maybe a reason to switch back to Huntley because the offense is a little stagnant against Washington or was that because the Huskies were so good yeah both but I I, I think that is a little bit of a concern with Shelly I think Shelly's things are fixable things he thinks they're fixable things things uh or maybe overthrowing a player or something like that but but Huntley uh you know what the Jazz are short on uh, or maybe the Utes the Jazz uh <laughs> the Jazz are short on this too you need you need playmakers and and uh, and uh uh, you know, I just think that, that Utah has always been a little bit short of playmakers. When we were talking about recruiting, I'm thinking Britton Covey is their is their top receiver. He's a he's a very good playmaker, but he's five seven. And uh, I th- I think that uh, they could always Wit always has the lines. We talked about the lines, and I'm thinking if I were looking at Utah's recruiting, I'd say let's find guys that that are playmakers, and they're kind of in short supply at Utah and have been. Yeah, well, it's amazing. Britton Covey's played most of the season with a broken wrist. And- and, uh, and then now the, the knee injury. I mean, for 5'7", uh, you know, he's a tough kid, obviously. Very tough. Good. And then what are some other storylines you guys look at going to the, moving into the bowl game? I think, obviously, 
the coaching departures, losing Gary Anderson, Justin Anna, and Troy Taylor, and although Taylor's going to come back and coach in the bowl game, that's pretty big to lose 30% of your staff, isn't it, Mike? You know, I don't know if how, how big of a deal that is as far as it's kind of like we are talking about earlier that, you know, the, the players play and the coaches, they've, you know, they've helped them all year up to this point. When the actual game day comes, how, how important is that coach, you know? I mean, you know, maybe the, the play caller, that could be a little different without Troy Taylor, but as far as the other guys, you know, they've coached these guys all year and these guys know what to do. They're, they don't care if they're, if their line coach is there for the game or not, you know? I don't think so anyway. So I just think it's a matter of the players play and then just, uh, you know, see what happens. Well, all you, all you need to do is look at Utah State in their bowl game. They had hmm. no coaches there. Right. I mean, they practically had to get the equipment manager to coach a position and, and they go out and beat him. What was it? 53 to 13? Mike, tell me. 52 to 13. Okay. <laughs> okay. So they, so they crush them. There's no coaches there. Uh, so I think that is all the proof you need to say, you know what, just roll the ball out. I'm not saying coaches don't do things, but I'm saying players left to play. The atmosphere of a bowl game is fun. They're going out to have fun. I think, I, I don't think it's a big concern. All right, guys. Uh, speaking of the Holiday Bowl, I had a chance to catch up with Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. We talked about uh, ticket sales, the support for the game. Uh, talked about the offensive coordinator opening. Uh, and then we transitioned into basketball. So I'd like to play that for you now. Mark Harlan joins us. Mark, uh, you and your guys did a really good job getting the Utes into the Holiday Bowl. Can you give us an update? And I imagine... Uh, You'd like some people to buy some tickets for Christmas presents. Well, uh, of, of course we do, and, and we're still so excited uh, that the football team put us in a position, Coach Whittingham and his staff, you know, to have the ability to go to such a premier bowl game in such a great city. Had a chance to go to San Diego last week at a bowl event uh, with Kyle and the excitement of all the volunteers to have not only Utah, a first-time right. participant, but also Northwestern. Um, also a first-time participant. So it was great, and I think our fans, when they when they get out there, will we'll get that same kind of warm welcome. So we're doing well. You know, we're, we're already uh, surpassed the allotment uh, for, for tickets in terms of uh, the expectations of the team. And, you know, I, I've set a very lofty goal, right, to try to sell um, well more than the allotment, and so we're into that space now. But, yes, I continue to encourage people to come to our website to buy a ticket. Uh, you can go right on our website, pick your seat, you know, I do think uh, there's a couple things that, that fans need to think about in this. One, sitting with your fellow Utah fans going nuts is, is part of the experience. Um, right. And I think that's really important. But also, as I've said publicly before, Dirk, it's, it's the ability for us to show that number um, to future opportunities, whether it be a preseason game, if we're in a situation like that, or, again, another bowl environment where selection is, uh, is 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 not as obvious as maybe as it should be from a competitive standpoint. So it's all it's all part of the, the, the process, knowing that there's other uh, avenues to get tickets. What I do believe is that whatever number we finish up through our allotment, I know could be doubled uh, in terms of, of, of Utah fans being there. And, and if it's anything like the Pac-12 championship game and the turnout, we'll expect a really big turnout. Very excited, but do continue to encourage people to come to the website and purchase tickets. And we also, on the website, there's a way to donate tickets to, to various causes. Um, if you can't make it, um, you know, allow someone else to go and, and support us uh, all the same. So appreciate everyone's uh, going out there and look forward to seeing everyone there. Mark, what was your allotment and what's your goal that was above the allotment? Well, the 7,000 ticket allotment is is the expectations from both. Uh, and talking to the Holiday Bowl, I told them we need more and that's what's happened. I, I've told our staff I, I want to see twelve to 14,000 tickets okay. um, allocated. You know, we're kind of creeping into that nine ten range as we speak today. You know, and, I, and we're seeing a surge. I think as, as as you say, the holidays gets closer, and people are thinking about gifts, and also people supporting 
the charities that I mentioned. Right. Um, you can adopt a student to go, which is also taken off with some members of our Crimson Club doing that. So, you know, wherever we end, it, it, I, I'm going to celebrate. But, you know, lofty goals are important um, here, and they always will be. But, uh, again, encourage people to jump in. Utah's football program, obviously, looking for another offensive coordinator. And it seems to be a bit of a revolving door. There's been a lot of changes, but just the circumstances and that. Can you just maybe just talk about the search and your involvement with Kyle in that? Yeah, well... You know, can't really speak to to the past. wasn't wasn't here. I know that nationally, offensive and defensive coordinators uh, move around a bit. Uh, it's the nature of the game. Really proud of Troy. Uh, you know, I had a chance to really get to know him and his family in the time that I've been here. The opportunity to lead a program is a really big deal. Uh, I'm sure in other industries it is as well, but particularly in our industry. And any talk of of him not being wanted here or any of that is 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 tomfoolery. Uh, it really is. Okay. Troy did a good job for us, and the chance for him to go home. I mean, Troy's a legend in Sacramento. I encourage people to look that up. I mean, I give him grief about it all the time. Um, He's a legend there. He's got uh, tons of family. He's got a beautiful family here that gets to be reunited with their family. And my understanding, Sac State stepped up too and and gave him a lot of years on that deal, uh, something like seven or something years. Uh, Mark Orr is the AD there, a good friend of mine, so I have to call him and find out what he did. (laughs) But Troy did a great job, and, and um, I think I, I think you look at what he had to manage this year with those injuries and, and uh, how impressed I was with that. So wish him the best. In terms of a replacement, you know, I've got a lot of experience in football. It's kind of where I was raised uh, in a football staff room. So all I've done with Kyle is, is we've talked through different, you know, maybe candidates to a certain degree, but more about profile, how I can help. He's such a thoughtful guy and what he uh, thinks about, similar to when Gary left. Right. You know, we talked about um, things that, uh, you know, he was thinking about. He, he values my opinion as I value his. Um, we know it's a very important position, the offensive coordinator, for obvious reasons. And, and I'm sure he'll do a great job of, of bringing someone in to continue to move the offense forward. And we got talent. Um, and it's a great place to be and uh, look forward to working with him. And, and uh, you know, I think he's stated publicly, we're not in a rush here. Right. You know, we're going to be thoughtful on it. And um, Troy is gracious enough um, to stay with us during the Holiday Bowl and, and you know, finish us off with a win. And, and um, that allows us to do what we need to do and, and be thoughtful in the search. Sounds like you're both, you and Kyle, are both on the same page about getting the right guy. Not the right timing, but the right guy. Yeah, I mean, I just am here to, as I am with anybody, that... that uh, you know, our head coaches are responsible for their staff. Okay. That's that's a fundamental philosophy I have. You know, I, I grew up in a football staff, as we talked about, and, and, I, and I believe that's important. But what, what the athletic director, I believe, is there to work with the head coach and talk about anything that they want to bounce things off or concepts. Right? And that's the same whether it was in the swimming program or our new lacrosse program, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, what we know is we have a tremendous team that will compete in the Holiday Bowl. There, many of them will be back. I noticed how quickly our senior day was. Uh, it went very fast because we didn't have many. And we have a great team coming back. And uh, I look forward to uh, whoever emerges in that position. Last thing, uh, basketball off to a bit of a sluggish start at 5-5. Five and five. I wonder what your thoughts are on the program. Well, you know, I remember I remember talking to Larry early on. Um, I, matter of fact, I was still in Tampa, and we had some great phone conversations. Matter of fact, I think as a time difference at one time, he was doing some hot yoga thing, and I was I was on the phone uh, with him. It was nine o'clock, and he sounded very relaxed. <laughs> but nonetheless, we were talking about the coming year and his guys, and he mentioned at that time that he was really energized because so many new guys on the team, uh, seven or eight. Um, 
And I think for a coach to, to take on that challenge is exciting, you know, knowing that it's going to come with, with uh, migraines uh, throughout the process. So getting here, working with Larry and getting to know his staff, going to a lot of practices, uh, I like to do that just to learn and support. You combine that with a schedule that uh, not every game, but many of the games have been challenging opponents. Um, even the Tulsa game that we that we won last week, I don't think they've they've lost since then, including going into Oklahoma State and beating them. So Kentucky, etc., Nevada coming up. So my my take on on things right now is Larry's challenged this team, bunch of new guys. Um, you know, they they've made some changes to the offense. That I think that that, have, that has helped, but it takes some time to do that. Um, really encouraged by certain certain things of the team in terms of what how they've responded. So actually, I'm 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 excited to see what the what the next um, phase is. And of course, that phase is two more non-conference games, right. and then we head into the Pac-12. And we've seen across our conference, we're not exactly lighting it on fire right now. Uh, you know, which obviously is something we we need to turn it up as a conference in that regard. But I think Larry is going to bring a team in that is battle tested into into the new year and as we head into conference i think we start up at uh, the arizona so we'll 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 I should say start down dirk i have to remember where we're at exactly start down at the arizona's and, and again we'll be challenged there so you know we know larry's a great teacher he's got a great staff um got some really good young guys mixed with a couple seniors and so they've got my full support and i'd encourage as i often do youth fans not to give up it's way too early to do that Let, let's come out let's support we got to game Friday night and then of course we've got a top 10 team in Nevada coming in uh, shortly thereafter so a lot of season left and uh, I hope everyone stays with us and supports supports them now you didn't ask but we got to talk about our women's team exactly because uh, I could tell that was your next question absolutely and uh, boy Lynn Lynn's team is uh, you know undefeated which I don't think you can do better than that right. the last time I checked just unbelievable uh, start by the freshman on that team uh Three of them, three individually, have been named freshman of, of the week at various different times this year. I don't, can't remember ever seeing that any place I've been. Um, they've got a big tournament coming up in Vegas. Uh, Florida is on their schedule coming up. You know, already beat Alabama. They just run back and forth. So again, if you haven't come out to one of our women's games, come out, take a look, and and see the kind of fun that we have at women's games. So really excited for Lynn and the start they have. Um, now on the women's side of the Pac-12, you know we got a bunch of teams in the top 15. Right. So you know we know that uh, tough tough opponents coming in, which our girls will will really relish and, and uh, get after it. So um, so early in basketball, I always I always remind myself, you know, basketball really gets going in earnest after after the first year. But come on out and watch the youths play. All right, we're back. Just a quick reminder: we're sponsored by the Salt Lake Stallions professional football team. You can get season tickets for as low as 75 bucks. Call one. 1- 833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. Guys, let's jump into basketball since Mark Harlan kind of led us into that. Uh, Mike, you've covered the program for a long time. What's wrong with the Utes? Five and five. Man, I don't know. They're, uh, this, is the, this is probably the, I should say, I guess worst team we've seen in five years since about 2013, you know, as far as just uh, the way they're playing, uh, the way they look each game. And I've been trying to put my finger on exactly what's the matter because they just don't look, especially offensively, they just don't seem to have a, some cohesion or something. And they, you know, and I, and I think they're kind of confused because, you know, after that BYU loss, was it before the BYU game, they said they're going to let them play more freely, you know. And then they did look terrible that game. And then after, I think recently the coach said, now we got to be more disciplined, you know. And so I think they're maybe trying to, they're just kind of grasping at straws, trying to figure it out. But, you know, the thing is they've, uh, one thing I think 
they're lacking is just, I shouldn't say leadership, but it's something, you know, in the past years they've had guys like Brandon Taylor, Justin Bibbins, these senior guards who've kind of kept things in order and, and really been, been leaders on the team. And this year they got Parker Van Dyke and Cedric Bearfield, who are great guys. You know, I like them both a lot. But there's just something missing out of the court where they're just not able to, I don't know, lead the team in the way they need to. I know with Parker's case, I feel bad. He gets he gets taken in and out of the lineup so much. He probably doesn't know which way is up sometimes. And, and now Bearfield's been benched. But they're just not getting the – and then they got all these young guys who got great talent. But they're just kind of uh, – someone's not there to kind of bring them together and on the court. Hey. Brad, I was curious, who was the guy that scored 20 points the other night against uh, oh, Florida? Uh, yeah, I and think what school was, did uh, he go to high school? I, I, which I, high you know, I think it was a local guy, Parker Van Dyke. And, uh, I, you know, he's got my All-American vote uh, from that alone. But, you know, I do think Mike's right. They, they've had so much uh, uh, flux uh, that has gone, gone around with players coming and going. Uh, th- that I think it's hard to hit that rhythm. And, you know, maybe they can get it t- together for the conference play, but it's not unusual. Now that is college basketball. I saw something not long ago that said 40% of uh, players transfer by the time they're done with their sophomore season, 40%. And I think the other number I saw was 14% of teams, uh, 14% of all players transfer at some time in their, uh, in their career. So what Larry's dealing with isn't really unique. It isn't, I, I'm not convinced for sure that Larry's running players off or it's just the nature of college athletics. No, I, I had a chance to do a story on uh, transfers not too long ago, and uh, I think it's uh, I think it's the kids these days. I don't think it's necessarily the coaching. I think people get impatient. They want to play now, and uh, they're willing to walk in October, November, December, whenever they feel the need. They're just up and go, and uh, that's been disrupting. You know, and I think Utah also you know, is probably looking for guys like Donnie Tillman to step up and and meet the expectations when he came, and and you know they got some great young talent, Timmy Allen and stuff. You know, they've got some players there, but uh, I agree with you, Mike. They. they Coach uh, Krzysztofiak likes to talk about the head of the snake, and I don't know if the Utes have a head of the snake right now. They need someone to kind of lead them, but uh, my money's on the East High guy. He's doing well. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take that to the bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Larry Krzysztofiak is one of the highest paid coaches in the country, okay? And that does not necessarily equate to uh, where Utah's going right now. It's been a while since they've been in the NCAA tournament, 5-5. Five and five. Mike, is that cause for concern? or do people make too much of how much guys make because there's a lot of variables in there about keeping somebody in place to keep the program going and not changing coaches all the time. Is that a good investment right now as far as you're concerned? So you want to start a, a coaching controversy, do you, Dirk? I don't. Oh, okay. I, that's why I was asking you the question. I was hoping you <laughs> yeah. would start the coaching controversy. <laughs> well, you know, I, <clears throat> I think we all like Larry a lot. You know, he's a great guy. You know, he's good to work with. He's shown that he's a good coach. And, you know, he's, he brought some discipline to the program when he first came, turned it around within a couple of years. Uh, but then you got to start saying to yourself, this is the seventh year he's been there, and they just haven't right. seemed to have made uh, they're not going on an upward climb anymore you know they kind of peaked in when they had uh, DeLon Wright and those guys in 16, 15 and 16 and uh, and Jakob Pertl and you know they had some really good teams they went to the Sweet 16 and they've kind of fallen back and maybe you can say oh they got all these young guys you know maybe they'll be good in 1920 or something like that but at some point you got to say how long is this going to last so right. I don't think you need to, to panic at this point um, and also I don't know if we might you know the, the Pac-12 this year is, is very much down and so maybe they'll sneak through and uh, you know get up in the top half of the league but 
after their preseason schedule, they're not going to make the NCAAs without right. going, you know, unless yeah. they go 13-3 and three in the Pac-12, the which isn't going to happen. So, you know, I just think you got to be somewhat patient, but you kind of just can't let it go and say, oh, Larry's he's, he's here forever because, you know, they just can't have these mediocre seasons, which they've had the last couple of years. Man. Yeah, I, I think that that is a worry for Utah, that the Pac-12 basketball is so bad and they can't jump in. They're part of the problem. And so... This is the times they're supposed to do that. But the other factor with Larry, and I think it's probably a real one, last time I looked, I think uh, if this was right where they published the contract, he's he's good through 2023 or something like that. Oh, I think a huge it was. buyout. Yeah. And the buyout was $15 million or something like that. So from practical purposes, I, I don't think uh, that, that that that's what it said in USA Today. So from, from practical purposes, I think they'd give him a little bit of time but I would agree with Mike. I, I don't know if you can go along five years and say we're on a long-term plan uh, because that's what you pay for when you pay the eighth highest salary in the NCAA. You're paying you're paying for tournament appearances. And it right. might be more likely with Mark Hart. I mean, Chris Hill absolutely loved Larry, and he was he you know he brought him in and he he wanted to hire him the first time when he couldn't, and so I think he would have been safer with Chris than with with a new guy like Mark. But like you say, the money and contract could have a, a factor in. How long they keep him? Well, you know, in, in that interview I just had with Mark Carlin, he, uh, you know, offered his support for Larry, that he's behind him, so they have a good relationship. And, uh, you know, logistically, I had a, a source tell me that, you know, logistically, buying out Larry is just not, not in the cards. You know, he's, he's got the security of a, a great contract that Chris Hill gave him <laughs> with a huge buyout. So he's here, so maybe it's not even worth talking yeah. about because they're not going to make a change uh, for that regard. And, you know, Larry, you know, he's a competitive guy and uh, no doubt. And, you know, he's kind of playing the season off. And he, Well, every season he puts it into three pieces, you know, the non-conference play, the conference season, and then the postseason. And they're 5-5. Five and five. They've got uh, the mighty Lumberjacks from northern Arizona coming into town Friday and then next week uh, – the Nevada game coming up. They hope to make strides over those two games and go into Pac-12 play, which everybody admits is just wide open right now, hoping that they're uh, on the right trajectory and that they can make some splash. But, you know, they come out of the gates at Arizona State and Arizona. That's a tough road trip. And, you know, and if the Nevada game goes south, you know, they could find themselves on a three-game skid right at the start early in Pac-12 play. And that's that's interesting. But, uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. But, boy, the Pac-12 is horrible, aren't they, Mike? I mean, they're just bad. Yeah, I was just looking up earlier today. I mean, you look at some of the losses they've had. Uh, Oregon loses at home to Texas Southern. Uh, UCLA loses to Belmont at home. I mean, these are the games that, you know, should be just gimmies. And uh, there's not really a great team. ASU's the best team, and they're 8-2. But other than that, there's just not any, you know, Arizona's down this year. Colorado has an 8-1 record, but they haven't played anybody. Uh, Sounds like know. their football team. Yeah. They got off that early start. Yeah. So it's like last, I mean, last year they were horrible in the NCAA. You think they won one game, right? The Pac-12. Right. I mean, so it's 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 down. It's just like the the football and the basketball have had a couple of rough years, and this could be another one for the basketball. Yeah, the Pac-12 is two and thirteen against ranked teams. They're wow. six and twenty-four against power conference teams. So same place they were last year. It's what now. In, uh, in retrospect, looking back, what do you think's happened to the Pac-12? What led to this decline? Because it's amazing that it's in both football and basketball, like you said, Mike. What, what do you think happened? 
Well, a lot of people are blaming Larry Scott. Should we blame him for all this <laughs> he problem? Seems to, I mean, yeah. I haven't it's seen him too. out there yeah. chucking the ball lately, but, uh, I mean, is there something to be said? Is the conference doing something wrong that's leading to a lack of success? I don't think necessarily. I think it's a lot of it's just, you know, there's peaks and valleys in every league, you know, and maybe it's just a couple of bad years, you know. I hope it, I mean, if it keeps on going, you know. You know, every, they've, Pac-12 had some great years, you know, in the last five years. So, you know, but uh, as far as the long-term trend, I really don't know why it is and if, if it's going to continue. Or not. Yeah, I think name, uh, name uh, recognize, uh, recognizability uh, is a factor, and certainly the numbers are just the fact that the East is where most of the players are, and so you are able to uh, scatter out the the Western players out over a handful of schools. Right. Uh, for the East Coast, there's just such a concentration of talent. Well, when the three of us were younger, remember when the Big East started, and all of a sudden, you know, UCLA had this great record. All like I said, the West Coast players all wanted to play in the Big. Everybody wanted to play in the Big East. It was really good. You know, I'm talking about the early 80s and late 70s and that, but it's uh, you don't really see a conference pulling everybody away nowadays, but but something's not right. And it obviously seemed like a prime time for Utah, you know, that's trying to make a name for itself and has that great tradition to make some ground. And right now, uh, the horse isn't eating a lot of hay, is he? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good farm analogy. Thank you. I, 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 think I, I, I think the numbers I've looked at, the, the Pac-12 does well placing guys in the NBA. I think they're still up there well. So the town Talent's coming through, but uh, the teams aren't doing it. All right, so it's a wait-and-see thing. Well, guys, how about the Utah women's team? They're not messing around. They're undefeated. <laughs> uh, beat Alabama, so they've you know beaten some, uh, beat the Cougars, BYU. Uh, they're doing a great job. Is, is it kind of yin and yang, or do you think both programs can? You know, it's in the women, it's just kind of the opposite. You know, the Pac-12 is one of the best in the whole country. They have four or five ranked right. teams. And so Utah, and, there, and several of them, the, Utah's one of three 9-0 and teams. There's three 9-1 and teams. I mean, so the, the women are really good, and that's been the case for years. So my biggest worry with the Utah women is they is if you look, if you remember two years ago, they were, I think, 11-0 after preseason, and they ended up being 500 in the league. So right. I, I don't want to downplay what they've done. They've done great, you know, and they've won some games by big margins. But, you know, winning nine straight games and probably going to win a couple more, uh, they could go in undefeated again to league play. But if they don't... Don't, uh, once they start playing Stanford and Arizona State and Oregon State and Oregon, these teams that are pretty darn good, they might find that their record is levels off pretty quickly. But, yeah. you know, uh, they were picked for eighth, so if they could move up to maybe fifth or sixth in a tough league, they might make the NCAAs, and that would be a great year. But uh, they're doing great so far. Yeah, they beat, they beat Alabama, power conference team, but Alabama's not doing well this year. Uh, I think they're playing Florida coming up. They're, they're not supposed mm-hmm. to be too good. They're not very good. But, you know, uh, just to beat other power five teams, but, that's... Yeah, yeah, which yeah, which is important for them. Uh, uh, and I, I think I noticed that Utah opens up with Colorado, who's nine and one. So, it, like Mike said, we're we're going to see soon whether this is a mirage uh, when they when they step right into conference play. I right, appreciate it, guys. Hey, we're going to step into our Utah by five segment. Just a reminder about the Salt Lake Stallions professional football at Rice-Eccles Stadium in February. Season tickets as low as seventy five bucks. Call one eight three three AAF twenty nineteen or go to saltlakestallions.com. Um, tell them the Rock Monster sent you. Is that okay? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Will that get a discount of any sort? Or? Uh, I, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try it myself, and then we'll see if it works for anyone if else. If it does, yeah. let me know, and you and I can sit out there and watch some football in February. I'll, I'll get a coat even this time. I think you need one that time of year. All right, guys, in our Utah by Five segment, I had a chance to catch up with uh, Utah Deputy Athletic Director Kyle Brennan, who is also the Chief Operating Officer of the Athletic Department. 
Uh, his son, Mac, uh, was diagnosed with uh, leukemia five years ago, almost to the day, and uh, he since uh, made a recovery. Along the way, he's had a lot of support, and he was able to help coach uh, the youths, help Kyle Whittingham, Larry Kostoviak, Dennis Erickson, and such as a young boy, and uh, he's on the road to recovery, and it's a really good interview, and uh, we're going to play that now for you. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by Five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. Welcome. Thank you. Good to have you. Hey, it's been five years since your son, Mac, was diagnosed with leukemia, and yeah. I, I know that was a, it's been a long journey for you guys and a uh, horrible thing to go yeah. through. It was unexpected. I, my son reminded me the other day, Mac, that it was uh, it was Friday the 13th. He hates Friday the 13th now. <laughs> so, I don't blame him. <laughs> so, and it was right around his birthday. So his birthday is on December 20. Okay. And so uh, kind of this time of year, he always remembers his birthday, Christmas, and getting diagnosed. It's all kind of wrapped into one. It's but, tough. Isn't it? Yeah, but I, I remember that, uh, you know, that was the week. We, we were, I believe we were playing BYU in basketball. And, you know, he was all set to go to that game with friends. And uh, we got the diagnosis he was in the hospital so he was mad he couldn't watch the BYU game because that was uh, important to him but we we I think won that game if I remember right. looking back on it so uh, that part was good um, but just the diagnosis was it was a real shock you know we he had symptoms it, leukemia presents itself like you're getting uh, the, the flu okay. or a cold and so you know he had some small bumps and around his ear and, and you know he was tired and so we just brought him to the doctor thinking we would be getting a diagnosis of the flu and get some antibiotics and go home. And our normal pediatrician wasn't there. And I remember this this uh, lady working there who, you know, I'm getting old now. So she looked like she was like 15 years old. She right. was probably 25. <laughs> and and she looked at him right away and said, I think that, you know, he's he has leukemia. And I just was, I was, I got angry kind of. I didn't yell at her or anything, but I got upset and thought to myself, what, what are you doing? You don't, you know, you're some rookie. You don't know what you're doing. Right. Don't throw that word around. And they ran some blood work and with, you know, we went back to work and and mac went back to school ran some blood work and they called us within an hour and said yeah that it was leukemia and by the end of the day that was around noon by the end of the day he was in the hospital and and Ooh. already getting chemo that day wow that's how quick it goes so at children's they do a great job and but yeah that was that was kind of the day and i remember you know beth was working at football at the time and and uh you know she called i, I went down to see her actually and we got the call together in her office you know heard about it down there mm. so well, that's, that's crazy. Well, during his recovery, uh, yeah. I understand he uh, became a coach of sorts, helping yes. Coach Witt yeah. and Larry and uh, Dennis Erickson. And yeah. He's talking about how the you community helped you through this tough oh, time. It's been amazing. Uh, well, there's there's probably two communities that I think of that helped him. As one is the athletics family, and then just you know the friends and that we've made in this community outside of work. Uh, they all kind of bleed in together, oh, um, and because all of our friends are Utah fans, probably. But um, <clears throat> yeah, Larry was kind of the first guy to take Mac under his wing, and um, Mac had you know been in basketball season when this happened, and so it was still basketball season, and so. Uh, he couldn't go to school for a while and couldn't, you know, really participate in much. And so he would come into my office and, and uh, I'd be busy. And so he would just head down to the gym. And so he was taking shots all the 
time down in the Huntsman. And uh, the treatment was so tough, he couldn't even hit the rim, but he would keep shooting. He'd right. just keep trying and trying. And so Larry saw him down there and just kind of said, hey, why don't you come over and help me out? And uh, went from there. The players were so nice to him, um, just amazing. And then he just took it as another season. I guess when basketball ended, he went out and helped with spring football. I just kind of went from there. Uh, but Dennis in particular really took him under his wing. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, I... I didn't know Dennis before he got here. My image of Dennis was Miami football and, right. um, you know, just a, a big time guy that, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't think of as being just, I didn't see him as someone who'd be hanging out with a little kid. Right. And, but he's like, he was like his grandpa just took great care of him. Um, and Kyle of course was great, but, but they really, football was really the group that kind of, he stayed with and they wrapped their arms around him. And, and then just in general, this community, um, you know, uh, people here are great. I don't, I don't think people understand who don't live in Utah, how awesome this culture is and how awesome the people are. Um, and when something happens to you, there's so many people that put their arms around you. So just been amazing. Yeah. Well, how about an update on Mac now, five years later? Five years later. He's doing great, playing on three different basketball teams right now. Staying busy. Drops in on football once in a while still. Kyle tells him to come down most of the time. Uh, Mac makes it when he can, but he tells Kyle, I'm busy now. I'm playing my own sports. But he still lets Kyle know what he thinks, and Kyle's great. He he listens, but Mac will walk right up to Kyle and tell him, you know, you guys need to run the ball more. You need to, you know, that kind of thing. And and, uh, so Kyle listens, and he's great. We miss Dan us a lot but it's awesome that he's coming back right. uh, to coach here in the spring so i'm sure mack will head down there and, and see him as well but his health is great he, go, he goes in every other month and, we, and every other month he comes out clean Good. and so uh, we're really blessed uh, these holidays are a little more special when he's healthy obviously uh, absolutely yeah a lot more special yeah um yeah we trade in all the christmas presents and all that just to for him to be healthy we're, we're really lucky i know somebody uh a lot of people who get cancer aren't as lucky um we're also lucky to live here i mean i remember when he was getting treated that there would be cars from nevada wyoming uh, idaho coming for treatment and for us it was right down the street um which is an amazing blessing too so yeah it's it's a hard time a little bit around the holidays for him because he remembers but at the same time he realized and we all realize how blessed we are that he's doing well so he kind of gets through that time where he remembers it and then we move on and we enjoy you know, enjoy Christmas. Okay, well, thanks for sharing this Thank story you. with us. Appreciate happy it. holidays to you. Thank you. You too. All right, we're back. We're going to wrap up the holiday edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Rock Monster, what do you want for Christmas this year? I'm going to take some extra days in San Diego. I, I got my wish. It was uh, San Diego for the holidays. What about Pasadena? Mm, you know, uh, San Diego's San Diego? low-key. Yeah, I like San Diego better. Okay. Maybe great. not the bowl, but I like the pl- uh, city better. Santa listened, obviously. Yeah. Sorny, what do you want? Well, for a guy that has everything, I guess, I've, t- I've been telling my wife, and that's the old line from Seinfeld, I want nothing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How I'm about good. peace on earth? That's great. Yeah, peace okay, on earth. Okay, I'm with great. you there, brother. Let's we'll we'll stick with that. Hey, we're going to wrap this up. Just a reminder that Salt Lake Stallion season tickets are available for only $75. You can see professional football at Rice Eccles Stadium beginning in February. Just a reminder, you can catch this podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, other places. DesiretNews.com was my favorite. Uh, a link is available there. And uh, you can read all the stuff that uh, Mike and Brad have wrote and uh, other fine writers. Again, we wish you all a happy holidays. Uh, Brad, Mike, any Christmas wishes out there? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wish for a few days more in San Diego. That's it. Uh, yeah. huh? You're mm-hmm. sticking to the San Diego thing. I'm sticking. Mike, we, can we get you to budge on anything? Just Merry Christmas to all, and, and to all a good day. I like it. See you next time.